From Schwartz Media, I'm Elizabeth Kulas. This is 7am. At the election last weekend, even Scott Morrison seemed shocked by the result. But it was a repeat of the same outcome we've seen in every election since 2010. The country has been split and it's been voting along that divide for almost a decade. George Megalogenis on how Australia was fractured and what we might do next. Hi, George. We went once a long time ago. Yes. Yes. I've had a, I've had a mad few weeks, like Bet. you imagine everybody does. So then maybe this isn't the best first question to open with, but here goes. How is this campaign for you, George? I think every journalist in Australia and every commentator in Australia and every uh, the mere culprit that I would offer is that I underestimated how soon Scott Morrison could learn from his mistakes. It's actually fascinating to watch the guy evolve so quickly. And what I underestimated was his ability to learn from the particular series of mistakes he made through the Wentworth by-election, through trying to start border protection again, through his sort of on-again, off-again, you know, nativist policy lines, the argument he got into with Walid Ali after Christchurch, all those things told me that this guy is not going to make it. But of course, what he did was he realised that he wasn't going to make it being that bloke, and he reverted to a thing that has worked in the past for a number of people, and I think he learnt this lesson from Keating. You have to make yourself, especially when you don't have a good story to tell, the opposition leader. You've been watching elections for a long time. Does this one have similarities with any in the recent past? It's almost as if we've been having the same election across the entire decade. 2.10 and 2.19 have basically followed the same pattern. I have always believed in miracles. How good is Australia? So the way that people voted in 2019 is almost identical to the way they voted in 2010. 2010 obviously being the reference point because it's the hung parliament election. And that was the one for me where it all went wrong for the country. It's not a great night for the Labor Party. They've lost their majority. They're probably unlikely to get it back. Mr Howard, did you think three years after you lost government that this was possible? What happened tonight? Only in my dreams. What happened tonight is an extraordinary tribute to Tony Abbott. The coalition is back in business. It was run like a soap opera that television stations gave up scrutinising policy. Print couldn't handle it. We were, we were obsessed with polls. Uh, the internet began to disrupt politics. So one in ten voters in that election were getting their information from the internet. It felt to me that we weren't going to have another normal election again. And I felt that the parties themselves couldn't handle the disturbance. So you're saying the vote is stuck along the same lines it has been since 2010. We've essentially replayed the same election and each time it's surprised us. What is the disturbance that the parties can't handle? It turns out... It didn't matter who you had in charge of the party. Once you reframe a national election about identity, then you discover the country fractures and it fractures in a way that main party politics can't handle because the incentives for the parties at that point is then to double down on the base and try to hang on to what remains of your base, which reinforces the polarisation. The split is essentially between older voters and younger voters, between Queenslanders and Victorians. That is the fundamental split in Australia. So Labor win comfortably in Victoria. Once you split a country along tribal lines like that, 
neither side accepts the mandate of the winner. Now, for the Labor people, this starts to mess with their head. So what, it starts to mess with Labor's, um, Labor's thinking about where their next majority will come from. They think their next majority is going to come from traditional Liberal seats in Melbourne. So they then double down on a cosmopolitan supermajority to offset a regional supermajority that the coalition has. The coalition looks at this and says, holy moly, there are a whole lot of lower income uh, Labor people who voted Labor all their lives. Now they're getting older, they're getting close to retirement, they're going to switch to us. And so again, both sides are looking to pinch the voter at the extreme of the other side's base. So very briefly, where did Morrison win? Uh, where did Morrison win? So he won. Uh, well, the word win is, uh, is a bit problematic to me. I would argue that the country is polarised. So no one wins in the sense that nobody won over anybody else. So he wins because he stops Labor from collecting the spoils that Labor has been waiting to collect for years. Now, of course, you could reframe the question, where did Labor lose it? Labor lost it because it thought it could get to power without Queensland. Morrison thought he could only get to power with Queensland, and it turns out, the flip of a coin, this one, Morrison had the better strategy. We'll be right back. As a a 7am listener, you value the story behind the headlines. That's why you should read Post, a free daily newsletter bringing you the top five news stories of the day, summarising each of their key points with links to full articles from a range of sources. Get the news you need to your inbox every weekday morning with Post. Sign up at thesaturdaypaper.com.au slash newsletters. As a a 7am listener, you value the story behind the headlines. That's why you should read Post, a free daily newsletter bringing you the top five news stories of the day, summarising each of their key points. Sign up today at thesaturdaypaper.com.au slash newsletters. A lot of Australians, maybe even most Australians, have been dumbstruck over the last week. They're walking around saying, this is a result out of left field. We didn't see this coming. What a shock. What a surprise. Morrison himself, though, has said he's pulled off a miracle win. In your mind, he did this because he had the right strategy. He had a strategy as Labor did, and his turned out to be more possible. Uh, Probably even simpler than that. Labor didn't fight in the territory where it needed to fight, which was regional Queensland. Labor are the majority party in the capitals. The coalition are the majority party in the regions. I mean, good luck to him for winning, but I would hate to be in the shoes of somebody who gets the miracle, looks at the country and then decides the country agrees with me. The country does not agree with Scott Morrison any more than agreed with Bill Shorten. Half the country is thinking one way and the other half is thinking the other way. (laughs) And what are you thinking? What am I thinking? I'm thinking because we've had the same election for uh, three times out of four this decade that the country is split and until one or other party figures out that you need to reunite young and old city and region, until they figure that out, we're stuffed as a country. You can't have results like this each time if you were actually running a political system where both parties are competing for swinging voters. They're not competing for swinging voters. The middle is somewhere else now. This is one of those weird elections where... There's a lot of action, but the way it all shook out, only a few seats changed hands. This is the status quo election that surprised us all. But what underlines this status quo election is not surprising. Nothing has changed in the last 10 years. The country remains polarised. You talk about that middle moving around. Where are they now? Where is that middle? Well, there isn't a single middle in Australia. So it used to be the case when you had 
you know, and John Howard used to describe the sort of political formula as lifetime coalition voter 40, lifetime Labor voter 40, uh, the middle is the other 20. The parties are closer to 30, 30, 40. 30% lifetime coalition voters, 30% lifetime Labor voters and 40% unaligned. Now, in that unaligned group, they can move quite dramatically from election to election. The parties are terrified by the collapse in their primary vote. So they double down on what remains of their base. Australia, whatever the middle is, is a completely different place now because you have to think about a voter and, a, and the voter's location. They're the two things I'd take out. One, the parties themselves are terrified about the decline in their primary vote. Two, the answer is a lot simpler than what they're making it out to be. What they're making it out to be is that somehow I'm going to pinch an election on what remains of my base. When there's actually not only a big victory out there if you can reconnect with the disengaged, but also you've unified the country just by having listened to them. And once you unify the country that way, you are permitted to do stuff. What's the other thing that, that uh, we look back on this past decade that is familiar to us now coming out of this election? No policy reform agenda. So Morrison has been re-elected on no agenda at all. And so what happens to a government like Morrison's that might a, be able to snatch themselves an extra term, but the foundations of that are questionable? Yeah, so the foundations are shaky because he wins on a scare campaign, doesn't he? I mean, the thing that stops people from punishing a coalition government for having sacked itself twice already, having disposed of two prime ministers, is the scare campaign against Bill Shorten. And that kept older voters in the coalition column. So is that a failure of Shorten's or is that a, a, a lucky break for Morrison? Oh, no, no. I mean, f full marks for Morrison for having been able to frame the election campaign about as a referendum on Bill Shorten and a referendum on the idea of Bill Shorten coming after you. But unfortunately, I'm old enough to remember the other couple of times when a party's been able to squeeze out an extra term, and that's Howard in 2004 and Keating for Labor in 1993. A monumental scare campaign was basically the last thing the government had left when it was asking for another term. What could go wrong for Morrison? Well, a global recession straight off the bat. The other thing, and this is something he knows he should worry about because he'd been treasurer for three years, the budget isn't, hasn't been fixed yet. Hmm. Um, Morrison is going to need to have the budget uh, fit for purpose. It's going to have to be in a position where it can respond to the next global crisis. It's not in that position now. Look, the American economy has been growing for 10 years since their last recession. They came out of the a global financial crisis, is what we call it, but the Great Recession in 2009. Uh, Europe's a mess, of course, because Britain wants to get out but doesn't know how to get out. And we've now grown without the interruption of recession for 28 years. Look, gravity starts to assert itself at some point. But the odds are there's going to be an economic shock and a government that got re-elected on a scare campaign is going to have a very difficult conversation with the Australian people when that shock comes. Let's go back to that split, if we can. We know this stubborn split has taken us through almost a decade. It's endured through three elections. Very few people are reckoning with it, if they've even acknowledged it. What is it that we do now? To be able to prevent a thrashing the next time, because the, your history tells you that a thrashing's coming from the next time, having just dodged the bullet. They're going to need to figure out a way to bring themselves back to the centre as a governing party, which for them, actually, in a practical sense, means pinching some of Labor's policies to stop making themselves scary to the rest of the country because the rest of the country, unfortunately for them, is actually growing faster than the bit that they've got their majority in. So regional Queensland's still growing. 
Um, but the regions themselves, other things being equal, are growing slower than the capitals. And if all the labour energies in the capitals, sooner or later demography starts to click over for the Labor Party. And that's the worst thing that can happen to Labor, that Labor just, just sort of sneaks into office again on demography alone. You know, the, finally they figure out a way to make a, a capital city majority to cancel the Queensland regional supermajority. So the challenge really for both parties is to figure out how to get a decent majority again, a decent majority that crosses both location and class and uh, race. It feels like you're saying, in a way, not that the election result was irrelevant, but that the challenges would have faced both parties regardless of who takes government now. That's actually a really good way of putting it because Labor's path to power, even though they had more cities they were shooting for, um, was as narrow as the coalition's path to power. Just in the opposite direction. Yeah, just in the opposite direction. Labor thought that there was more low-hanging fruit for them in the cities. It turned out that there wasn't because the coalition won, but the coalition, and they know this, because the first conversation is, so how do you reckon you did it? Whew, okay, I don't know. But what do we do next is the question they, they're asking it out aloud. And does Morrison seem like the person who can figure that out? Morrison is a Sydney cider. He's a bit, look, uh, I would say he's a bit, um, I wouldn't call him a cosmopolitan, but I also wouldn't call him a troglodyte. A lot of Labor people, I think, underestimate how, how much he wants to be liked and how much he, even a bit more than how much he wants to be liked. I think he understands his part, where his party went wrong in the last five years. I think he understands that. He will never say that publicly, but I think he understands where they went wrong. And where did they go wrong? Uh, where, do you, where do you want to begin? We, can, we, will go, we can go way back. They've been the most disorganised, least effective government since Jim Scullins, and I think they would admit that themselves. For the next three years, they need to, they need to learn how to govern again. They haven't governed, they haven't governed yet. But they also haven't lost government as a result. Yeah, but... Time's running you're out. Looking, but uh, when you ask, I, I, know, I know you're playing devil's advocate, but when you ask a question like that, you seem to think that the election is what government is about. Government is about governing in the long run. It's not about how many, how many wins you strike up. It's going to be very difficult for them to win again having won the way they did. So they're going to need to govern one way or the other. The other thing is on the Labor side, they're, they're not going to make this mistake again. They're going to go for the throat next time. George, thank you so much for being here. Thank you very much. With award-winning news coverage and reviews, the Saturday paper is essential reading for everybody. For a limited time, subscribe to a year of our quality, independent journalism, and you'll receive the Saturday paper's stainless steel coffee cup made in collaboration with Fresco for free. Subscribe from just $2.10 a week. Simply visit thesaturdaypaper.com.au forward slash offer. The Saturday Paper. No hot takes. Elsewhere in the news, in America, Donald Trump has given Attorney General William Barr significant authority to investigate the handling of the Mueller report. The US President has declassified millions of documents for the investigation and specifically asked that Barr investigate the involvement of Australia, the UK and the Ukraine. In Britain, Theresa May has announced she will resign as Prime Minister. May's resignation is an acknowledgement of her failure to negotiate a Brexit deal. Her last day in the job will be June 7th. This is 7am. I'm Elizabeth Kulas. See you Tuesday.